With state border closures imminent due to COVID-19, we raced the ute across the New South Wales Victorian border and down to the Mornington Peninsula to interview Gemma Bell, and we're so glad we made it. With regular talk of clairvoyance and seances in Gemma's childhood home, she found herself afraid to sleep at night reciting the 23rd Psalm over and over to herself for comfort. Gemma spoke to us about finding genuine acceptance and community at a local church and how her passion for helping young people has since led her and her family to leading Fusion, Mornington Peninsula. Fusion provides accommodation for young people experiencing homelessness, as well as support for young people and families through community-based initiatives. I'm Carl Fays, and this is my interview with Gemma Bell. So Gemma, when you were younger, what was your connection to Christian faith? Okay, I, I'm not from a church family. Um, very much her, maybe the opposite to a church family. I grew up in a little place in South Australia called Elizabeth. Uh, a lot of social housing there or commission housing uh, and a lot of trouble. And um, my parents, they, my mum was heavily involved in new age, so clairvoyance. Mm -hmm. There was often seances or talk of that. And it was quite, a, I found it disturbing. Um, they, I didn't grow up with my birth family as well. Um, although I love my parents still very dearly, still mum and dad. And um, they sent me to a Catholic school, I think mainly because the area was so rough, it was the, the best option as opposed to maybe the state school, but I have no problem with public mm. schooling. I think it's a, a, yep. it, they're great schools. And um, in that place, it was an unusual environment because there was a tradition of mass, there was a tradition of the Eucharist, there were talks of religion and God. And I, I really resonated with the relational aspects of who God was. At the same time, um, that area has a high population of Aboriginal people. I'm fairly certain that my very early school, uh, class teachers were Aboriginal, now on reflection. Mm -hmm. um, they would take us for walk in the, walks in the path on country and talk to us about those kinds of yep. stories. So um, from that side as well, the relational, the importance of people, of creation um, was, was very heavily part mm. of that mm. um, school environment. And, um, but it was when I started to get a bit older and a, in, prim in the primary school years, maybe around eight and 10, a bit more disturbed with some of mum's new age. Yep mucking around and um, at night I, I found myself actually afraid to sleep yeah. and I used to keep very still and I you know the stories of what she was up to would play mm. play in my mind and um, I f came across in an old box that came with her from the UK some going away gifts from her friends and one of them was an old bible very old had beautiful pictures in it the gold leaf pages and it was Old King James and I I found in there Psalm 23 and I would recite it to myself mm, mm. and to me it was my experience wow. um, that um, yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me that was what I wanted and mm. I felt like mm. I was in a dangerous yep. disturbed place and then I I must have described some of my experience in a classroom one time and one of my teachers, Mr. Topham, actually, I remember it really well. He bent down close to my table 
with my friends. And he knew my mum and he would have known the, the wacky stuff. And he said, um, if you're ever really afraid, really afraid, you just keep saying to yourself, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. And um, I really listened to that. And um, I knew that he was talking directly to something I was experiencing and I did that. Um, and by the time my adolescence came around, life, yeah, I, I chose all the wrong paths that were, could, I could have possibly taken. Yep. It, was a, it was a rocky experience. And at 16, I was living in um, not stable accommodation. You would, in the official terminology, I would have been classed as experiencing homelessness. And um, I still pray. I, but I had this um, distorted view of who God is. I guess like we all do, really, yep. let's face yep. it. Um, but in my view at that time, um, God was for other people. Yep. God was for those people that would go to church. They were the accepted. They had the, the shiny family and um, they were allowed to take the, the Eucharist, those kinds of things that I told myself I wasn't accepted. So I'd pray for um, my partner, who's now my husband, and I'd pray for my friends or a situation that I'd seen. Um, I was very impacted by scenes of poverty and I, I knew what poverty was like. I'd seen it up front. So um, I did definitely engage with it. But it wasn't until I had my daughter or we had our daughter and, and um, I was in my late 20s that I really, the light bulb went off and I thought, no, um, Jesus is here with me. Mm. This is a personal yep. experience that, and I'm part of this community, but it took a while to get there, Carl. I'm yeah. a bit of a slow <laughs> learner, I think. So when you said Jesus is here, there with me, what did you do about that? Um, so my husband became very sick in our late 20s and he's, I came home from work one day and he said, Gemma, I know what it's all about now. We have to reach, it's Jesus reaching out for us and we need to pay attention. And we've been through all sorts of stuff from chaotic years as teenagers, um, having a daughter with no capacity to be parents and working that out. And then suddenly he's saying this, and to be honest, I lost it at him. I said, you've got to be joking. What now, what loony bin are you, you head, we heading for this time? Um, so, but because he was so unwell and I love him dearly, I was willing to turn up at church with him <laughs> and he'd go to the service and I'd sit with him and then I'd be waiting by the car with my daughter who found some friends and they were playing, waiting and people would try to, you know, hi, I'm, you know, try to meet yep. me while Stuart's in tears with people praying and ha putting their hands on him. And I thought, oh, please, please, can we just leave? And, um, started going to social events. So I turned up at someone's house and I thought we were going to a barbecue and suddenly we were at a Bible study. And, but the people were genuine. Wow. Yes. The people yep. really cared. And I don't think we had ever had friends like that, to be honest. Yep. It wasn't, there wasn't a, you need to say the right things and pray the prayer and tick the box mm -hmm. and, you know, enter our club. It was, we really care about you as people. Yeah. Uh, we want to get around you. And um, that, that did something for me. Yeah. And I think that triggered that Jesus that I had learnt about yep. at moments yep. as well, a child. Was there a moment where you thought, here's, here's a choice I need to make? Or was it a process of over years yeah. going, this is what I believe and where I belong? Yeah, I, I've sometimes found myself describing it like, 
you're on a train and you're gazing out the window and you, but you're, you're really existing in your little cabin, mm. but then suddenly you find yourself at the station and you're there and you're participating. You're like, okay, we're doing this now. <laughs> I can't, I can't yep. really define, but I can think of a number of moments in yep. my life which were markers of, oh, there's something powerful here and um, I'm interested, but I'm not sure if I'm that person that yeah. will be accepted in. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Olive Tree Media. Our vision is to create a library of resources that tell the story of the game-changing message of Jesus. This interview was recorded for our latest documentary, Faith Runs Deep. Our other award-winning series, Jesus the Game Changer and Towards Belief, plus many other small group, church and school series are available on our Watch Plus platform for a small monthly partnership. As you partner with us, you not only get access to compelling video content and interactive discussion guides, but you also support the creation of more resources that help share the gospel message. To become a partner and get access to Faith Runs Deep, visit olivetreemedia.com.au. People often talk about being called into a ministry or there's this sense of this is what I should do. You're here mm. in Mount Martha in the, in the outside of Melbourne and we're going to talk about what you do here. But what was the moment where you thought this is what I should do? Yeah, there's a couple. One was that barbecue that turned into a Bible study. That community has been around us now for our whole mm -hmm. Christian walk. Mm -hmm. And um, we were at one of those gatherings and we were doing, you know, the right kind of Bible study where um, Jesus is reaching out and touching lepers or perhaps it was a, interacting with a prostitute. I can't, I wish I could remember the exact scripture. And then the conversation then with the set questions emerge of how, how do you do, how do you participate that in your mm. daily life? And at the time I was running a small business just around the corner from here and um, people were giving their opinions and their thoughts on it. And I thought, no, I don't think we do. Mm. live this way. I think we're actually quite protected and safe. And um, it struck a chord and, and there was a lot of silence in the room. And I think it triggered me to really think deeply and ask myself some serious yep. questions. And um, I think some of my friends as well. And when we left, my husband was going, that, you shouldn't be saying that. That was embarrassing. <laughs> um, but from that point, I was looking for something deeper. Um, and I believe Stuart, my husband, was too. He started coming along here first. Uh, a neighbour um, of, of here said, look, drop in. You've got to see this place called Fusion. He was just starting a road to recovery mm. at that point and so came along, announced that he'd be here um, two, two days a week and they were thinking, who is this guy? And at the same time, um, the team from here were bringing young people into my business that I was running and I was thinking, who are these guys? This is curious. These kids actually look like they're going to knock off all the stock. <laughs> but um, there was something lovely about the way they were interacting. So I really think we were being called over yep. a long period of time and it was... Um, there was a, a very strong essence that that season was ending and we needed to walk into this one. 
which was very frightening because I, it, we walked into an unpaid ministry missionary role yep. um, with no security long term of how we would even exist. We packed up a nice three bedroom house with a pool um, and gave away a lot of our stuff to move into an accommodation service alongside homeless people. Our daughter was eight. Um, I had to tell my non-Christian parents what I was doing. I thought I was mad. They often have though, so it was like <laughs> the right path. And um, yeah, I, when I rang my, um, the owner of the business and explained to him while I was leaving, um, it, was, it was interesting. He actually had me speak to friends he knew to explain why I was going because they found it so yeah. outstanding. And he yeah. said, well, I can't even offer you money. You're not even <laughs> going anywhere where that, that's the driver. But I, I do, it, it was one that kept me awake at night. I, I was put off my food. I couldn't think of anything else, but I've got to get on this path. Yeah. Um, and and um, yeah, we've been here 13 years. So. so the path is fusion at Mount Martha, serving the whole Mornington area. Mm. If you would explain to somebody, what does this place do? What does yeah, it do? Yeah, sure. So we service right across the Mornington Peninsula and into the Frankston region. We house young people experiencing homelessness, so ages 15 to 21. Um, we also support young people at risk within the uh, region with casework support, mentoring, uh, helping them with mediation within family situations. So we do a lot of training with parents and supportive parents. Uh, but then we also do camps and fun things. We, we really want to raise up the next layer of civic responsible human beings, um, radical Jesus followers. And we really love the idea that um, it, what we're using the, the line, it takes a village. Yep. The, the community around us is like a jigsaw puzzle and there is a, a kingdom puzzle to work out here. So how do we bring people together in a way that they learn what is precious in life and give them the skills and the desire to be someone that makes a difference around them? The, the young people that have find themselves in a homeless situation and need support, is there a summary of what the issues are or is it yes, wide? So it is pretty wide, but there's some commonalities. So um, a lot of the young people that come here, they've come from a home that is not safe. So it might be a family violence situation. It might be that there's drug use in that house or sometimes sadly, there's a mental illness that is not being maintained or addressed that has meant that that young person is now not safe in their family home or environment. And we have young people here at the moment that we really need to protect as their family mustn't know where they are. Mm. That's the level of uh, risk they're under. And there's some that, you know, maybe a bit more like my pathway, just like to make a series of wrong choices that lead to a bit of a disaster. And, um, and they, they need to work themselves out around people that are nurturing, caring, and are challenging them on yeah. some of their choices. So, but every individual is different. Yeah. Every yeah. case is different. There's no, as we know, there's no two human beings that are ever going to be the same. When you could think about putting that group of people into a house, 
It must be pretty chaotic. Yeah, times. it's madness. It's absolute <laughs> madness. <laughs> One of the things we've got going for us is um, we work really hard not to be institutional. Mm. We don't want to replicate ResiCare and we um, acknowledge that this is a home and home is important and home reminds you that you belong somewhere, that you have value and really isn't that the image of God mm. being created, that you have that, that kind of value. So we, as well as uh, my husband and myself and our daughter, who's of course now 21, she's no longer the little girl, she works here. And um, we have uh, three other workers that live on site. We call ourselves the lead tenant team. And so we create that family that young people come home to, they can throw their school bag down and have a yarn about their day. Uh, we have dinner together, activities together. And so you're really making sure that these youngsters experience a life where they belong somewhere, yeah. where they are loved. Yeah. And at the same time, we have a casework team that meet with them to help them move towards their goals in life that it might be, uh, a mediation with a family member. It might be working towards re-engagement with education. Sometimes it is even how to brush your teeth, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. It can be, you know, a range of things. I, yeah. yes. I think a lot of people would, would hear what you're doing and know the madness of what you're saying. So that's a great idea for three months. 13 years. How do you yes. do that for 13 years? I'm not sure. I, I knew you were going to ask, ask me this. And after a series of lockdowns in a pandemic world, I actually don't know the answers. <laughs> um, yes, I think you need to know where your values lie. Mm. I think you need to be committed to um, a committed to a kingdom of God's reign in a way that really helps you to be uncomfortable in some ways. I think God challenges us. I think the very life, death and resurrection of Jesus tells us something about our life choices that mm. does not lead towards comfort. Mm. And to say that, I think I've, I am the richest person I know. Yeah. I've experienced such joy and um, diverse experiences that you would never be able to replicate that in a normal life pathway. Yeah, yeah, I say yeah. normal, yeah. In this situation, you're, you're living under the same roof as a whole bunch of people that come in here with a mixture of values, mm. morals, mm -hmm. act, um, behavior. You come as a, 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 somebody who's serving Jesus. Mm -hmm. There must be some tension points there. Yeah. And so how do you cope with those? Yeah, like Jesus sitting and eating with prostitutes and, you know, tax collectors and yeah, absolutely there is. Yep. Um, I love it, to be honest, Carl. I love the cat in with the pigeons and there's, and I like hearing about people and their experiences and what's led them to be the, who they are. Mm. Um, I have the privilege of being led to understand that each person is a gift. None of us have everything right, but that gift is important to hear from, mm. to learn, to understand. And, and because I'm willing to hear someone in their world, it opens up the possibility for me to share who I am yeah. and my experience. And you hear people soften to who Jesus is. And, and you can clarify things where, where people maybe have a misconception of what church is. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful to see the ladies come in from the church down the road and drop off all the food they've collected and when they head out, a young person goes, who are they? 
And you say, well, they're from the church around the corner. They're giving us these snacks and they're just rummaging through. Really? They give us these snacks? Um, just, just helping to represent who Christ is in the actions of others that, that demonstrate kindness yeah. is huge and getting to live that myself. It, it, interesting within, within a, a Western context, you often have here the, the healthcare professionals yes. and here are the Christians and the church. Yeah. You, you're, you're bridging that here mm-hmm. unapologetically. How, yes. does that, how does that work? Yes. Um, it's taken a long time for me to understand the integration of it because it's very unusual. So we, we watch over the 13 years I've been here and certainly Fusion's been here for 40 years. So there were others before me and we've watched services, funded services come and go, get renamed, the staff move around to different areas and, he, and we still are here. And to be honest, that has given us such an influence locally because we can be trusted. We're not here because someone's giving us the money to be here. We're here because we believe that the care of vulnerable people sits above everything. Mm. And, And that brings authority to a council local government, to a school environment, to any kind of public square. Um, and I, I like to think that folks get to see an image of who Jesus is uh, a little more um, less guarded than what, how we would normally yep. present the church in the marketplace as Christians. Do those that you're helping here and live in the house, do they respond to the message of Jesus? How, how does yeah. that play out with yeah. those who are residents? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, I would be lying if I said everyone wants to walk into a church. Um, we do it quite regularly and, and it's a little bit of a foreign culture. Um, although regular, we, we say grace before dinner. Um, we often then have a conversation about grace and what people believe and who God is and what Jesus is. There'll be folks that say, I have an issue with this that I've heard um, Christians talk about and I can sit down with a Bible and, and show them, you know, maybe maybe this is what they're trying to explain. And, and, and sometimes they've picked up on injustices that the church has represented in a way that sheds a whole new light on it. And it's been helpful for me to mm. see mm. Um, because I think Jesus is for those that are the marginalised and the kids that live here that's who, that's who is marginalised in this area. So when I read them some scripture, they're able to advocate as to what that means for them. And it helps me to understand more of who God is. If they weren't here, where would they be? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's a troubling thought, to be honest, because mm-hmm. yeah. Carl, as you ask that, there's many more out there. Yeah. And where are they? Yeah. Um, and, and we're not seeing any improvements in housing people that are vulnerable yeah. in this country. It's only getting worse. And what are your hopes and dreams for the future? <sighs> right, yeah, good question. Um, at the moment, we are advocating and, and working on a plan to provide housing on site for families experiencing homelessness. So this, this building is double storey. At times, we've had a lot of mums here that don't have custody over their child due to their housing or are pregnant, we would like to house those women to teach them to be brilliant mums and help them to keep custody of their children, to have the kinds of skills where 
the DHS aren't going to take their child away. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And um, in that, the cycle of homelessness for those individuals ends. Because these kids that are here, that was their experience when they were little people. And yeah. look, it's only 15 years ago. Yeah. They were a little baby, helpless. Yeah. And now they're having to make the kinds of horrendous choices to keep a roof over their head. And for like a 16-year-old girl, where, where do you think she ends up yeah. if yeah. she can't stay at home? Yeah. It, it's a nasty world. We need to be facing that. In the middle of all that, what brings you the most joy? Um, yeah, just the little things. I love, I love walking in here and seeing one of the young people has set the table because they're ready for hanging out with everyone. Yeah. Um, I love, uh, a girl came to dinner last night and invited her friend over and she's only got the one friend. Yeah. And she was, I was listening to her little buzzy talk, sharing, sharing with her friend um, that sometimes um, some of the workers' kids come and, and, and we all play together. And she was looking forward to her friend experiencing her home and her life and she was sharing that with her. And she's had a horrendous experience of home mm -hmm. um, in the past. And, and now she's got a place where she can bring her friends. Yeah. It's very special. And I, I love laying in bed sometimes at night, in the morning and hearing the doors start to open. You can hear the bedroom doors unlatch and you can hear like a little hum of talking, of interacting. I can hear the boys in the bathroom above my bedroom having a chat in the bathroom as they're getting ready for the day. And sometimes they're going to school, sometimes they're catching up with a health worker. Uh, and every day holds new possibilities for them. So to listen to that hum of the day and pray for them is, is pretty special. And it leads me to be very grateful to be a part yeah. of this. It, it, it kind of reorientates what joy, success. Yeah. We often see the big things. Yes. And here are all these wonderful moments that yeah. give you great joy. Yeah, they're the real things. I think they're the things we'll remember. Yeah. Um, as we enter whatever the next stage of existence is. Yeah. It'll be those moments. You're seeking to respond to the issues around the indigenous of this nation. What, what are you doing and what is Fusion doing in that area? Okay, yeah. I like it that you really worked to phrase that sentence well, because I think as the church, we need to do that. Um, as a non-Aboriginal person, I have learnt that listening, uh, just as a member of Australia, is so very important. Uh, I've been so privileged to hear from elders of a range of different countries. Um, right now we're on Bunurong land, um, on the Kulin Nation, and often we take our young people to a cultural exchange centre which is down in Hastings, Willamarang, and listen to uh, stories of creation, of culture, of relationship. And it, those kinds of things bring healing and relationship always should do, mm. should do that. Um, traditionally, once a year, Fusion has taken a busload of young people through um, Aboriginal countries from the city where they're from, so in our case from uh, Mornington Peninsula, Melbourne, to Uluru, stopping at different communities along the way and really facilitating spaces for our young people to listen and then helping them to debrief what their experiences has been and also 
consider what the future then might look like and the presence. When they're debriefing, what are some of the things that strike them about a journey like that to the centre of Australia? Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. For us and our cohort of young people, there's often a lot who have experienced their boundaries being crossed in ways that have caused them harm. And you can see their capacity for empathy is huge. They identify injustice and they identify the need to make things right, which is the gospel message, isn't it? Mm. Um, and I think that, that call to repentance, they lead the show. They help others that have come from perhaps a more middle-class, comfortable background identify exactly why things are wrong. They become the prophets of their own peers. Mm. Um, and I think every, every situation is different, but most what I find most important is those that see a willingness to share with their friends and family of what they've experienced and why Aboriginal First Nation, Nation culture is so important and what it means to be custodians of a land mm -hmm. and also what it means to be repentant. So they show their families mm -hmm. what that might look like. I often bump into parents that say, um, we now go to Willamarang. We now, we now engage with things on January 26 differently as a family because of what our child yep. has brought back. Gemma, isn't it interesting that these young people seem to relate well to the injustice around the Indigenous people because pain is a greater teacher than education? Yes. I think empathy is a great teacher. Yeah. And I think that's what Jesus does within the gospels is to help people to understand what the life experience is for that woman that was bleeding, what that life experience was for that leper. And of course, original listener hearers of scripture would have been marginalized people or a large percentage were. And um, no wonder it went off like a fire. Yeah. A little bit of suffering isn't bad for us. Yeah. But we need to know how as a community to, to care for that so yeah. it doesn't get out of hand. In dealing with young people who've had a hard time, mm. uh, struggling with a whole bunch of issues, is there a different way that you talk about, say, the message of Jesus than you would think the average middle-class church would do? I, yeah, absolutely. So the, originally in my ministry in camps when I'd be telling young people about Jesus, I used to share a bit of my background story and, you know, Jesus then is the saviour and, and here we go. And the young people I knew would come up to me really concerned because I think they almost felt like it was abuse of their disadvantage. Mm. Um, so I've, I've really tried hard to help them to see how... Christ and the life of Christ is about helping all come together um, and participating in the healing mm. that is required within their neighbourhood, within their community, and that they respond to. Uh, and when I do a similar thing with middle class kids that haven't had that kind of background, it's harder to get through. Mm. It, it, they want the the tough life, and then Jesus came in and, and made it all better. But I don't think they can touch it or feel it or experience mm -hmm. it in the same way, which concerns me as a mother 
and someone that really cares for the development of younger people. And um, at, at the time, many years ago, we sent our daughter to a Christian school. I still think it's a great school, but she'd come home and say, I can't be there. It's not the same message of Jesus that I'm, mm. I'm yep. experiencing there as I would do in other places. I don't know if this is dangerous territory to go, Kyle, but <laughs> um, and we sent her to this public school down the road and, and she'd go along and pick up all of the strays and, and um, support the young people that were living here that mm. were in her classroom or, you know, mum called and she said this, those kinds of messages <laughs> she'd relay to them. Um, but, yeah, it, it is concerning how we... <sighs> The shinier image of mm. who Jesus is looks nice on a stage. When the rubber hits the road, it's it's that friend that gave his life yeah. for those he loved that really makes a difference in the life of people that we meet. You're supporting numbers of young people. Yes. They don't always make choices that you would be happy with. Oh, of course not. How do you cope? <laughs> With, with those, when you see choices that you think, gosh, that's destructive. And, yeah. and how do you cope personally looking forward? Yeah, okay. So, and just to clarify that, there's choices that young people will make that are silly, that I can go, ha ha, teenagers, that's a shame. And then there's ones that keep me awake at night mm. and mm. bring, you know, bring me to tears. And there's, there's kids that I've held who have cut themselves so severely that I'm holding them together as the ambulance is coming. And, you know, I, I can't put the clothes back on, but I keep them and it's, yep. you know, covered in their, you know, it, it, it's a rough yeah. experience at times. And, and I don't know where they are now. Um, and you have to live with that. And I think that's compassion. Yeah. And all I can do is the best I can to love someone but sometimes there's a boundary that we need to draw mm. because it becomes unsafe for others we're caring for yeah. and that's really sad to ask someone to leave because they're putting others at risk and I know if they made some different choices it would have been a different story. Yeah. All I can do is hope and pray that they've learnt something that they can add to their life when they're ready. Yeah. I'm not the saviour, I'm just Gemma. <laughs> Gemma, this series is called Faith Runs Deep. How do you see faith running deep in Australia? Mm. For me, it's about participation. For me, I see others with a, a, a similar um, experience that, as to what we've had, have had. Those that have chosen to live deeply enmeshed in their local neighbourhood, meeting their neighbour even though they don't really want to hang out mm. with that neighbour, that neighbour's confronting and, be, and caring for them. Folks that have, you know, I think of you know, that are spending time in broad meadows with mm. folks that have sought asylum in Australia or um, folks that are working hard, like in Port Augusta, Dusty Feet Mob, to teach culture to the young Aboriginal people and in there um, supporting folk, young people that really um, haven't had another opportunity for something like that experience. I think, and maybe it, you could call it the missional church or people that are just really living their life in such a way that neighbour care just pours out of them. Mm. 
in an expression of love and it stands out and they're not glossy or shiny you 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 know you rarely see them on the big stage but they they paving a way for us all to follow Jesus in a different kind of way and I think it's a healing way yeah. and um, and I think that it's an expression of faith of seeking to follow the path of Christ um, that has life-changing consequences for anyone that they interact with. Thank you for joining me on this podcast as I unearth stories of faith in Australia. To watch the full Faith Runs Deep series and all Olive Tree Media content, go to olivetreemedia.com.au and sign up to the Watch Plus platform and partner with us today.